Hey guys, it's the Modern Mama here and welcome back to another week's episode. This is episode 11 and oh my goodness guys, we are one more episode away from the season finale (laughs) and I'm just so excited that we are heading into a new season and we are already in a new month. We are starting one of our favorite times of the year. We are big Christmas fans over here. And by here, I mean me. (laughs) And I am already having my pumpkins out. Christmas music is playing and I'm already thinking about what we're wearing for our Christmas photos. And so we are loving this new season and the last four months of the year really is a great time for some reflection, for some insight, for some ways that you can change and be better so that for the new year 2023 we can really start to implement a lot of these new changes and new ways that we can live our lives because at the end of the day life is meant to change things are meant to change nothing in this world stays the same not the sun not the moon not the earth nothing stays the same And so we have to change as well. And sometimes it can be difficult to see what we need to change. But when you have the chance to sit down, whether it's with a professional or whether it's with me or whomever else you feel comfortable talking to or listening to, then take that time to really just be insightful and figure out what is it in your life that maybe you need to change or see and reflect on the things that you have changed congratulate yourself and be proud that you have made a lot of changes and that who you were is not who you are and so let's get started with today's episode now today's question for the week is do you ever think that maybe the reason you don't have enough time for your child's emotion or other people's emotions is because no one had time for your emotions when you were a kid? This is something that oftentimes as parents, especially in our community, where our emotions are suppressed, our feelings are shut down, There's no such thing as being depressed because what you know about depression, and by all means, they were right. Uh, Depression is not fun and depression is something very serious. But a lot of times for a lot of kids, they knew what they were talking about. They knew how they were feeling and their feelings were pushed to the side. They were made to distrust themselves and how they can pick up cues and pick up on things, you know, because your gut is one of the most important things for us, our conscious, um, just that reminder of, you know, your morals, where do you stand? And when for so long, especially growing up, you are taught to push them down, not believe them, that you're silly, you're making them up. It's just in your mind. You didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. Don't say anything. Even if you did, you start to really, you know, make excuses for why. Because we're all curious by nature. And when you don't feed that curiosity, it just stays there. You will remain curious. And it's either until you figure it out yourself or... Hopefully someone ends up telling you in some way, shape, or form. But either way, you end up finding out. And we could skip all of that. (laughs) We really can. But with the question in mind, there's definitely been a lot of times in my childhood or in, you know, just in my family where I've seen that happen. And just seeing that, you know, kids aren't allowed to feel things and You're just supposed to be happy and grateful that you're even here, you know, especially immigrant parents, you know, me especially because I was born in Haiti. And so, you know, just always being kind of reminded like, well, you could have still been in Haiti. You could have still been in Haiti. And it's just like, okay, so bring me back. Send me back. 
Like, I'll live. It might it would definitely be a little rougher, but I'm going to live. You lived. You survived. So, you know, <laughs> so um, it, it's definitely one of those things that I've noticed. But and I always I've mentioned this a few times when I talk about these things, I'm mainly focusing on my dad's side of the family, my mom's side of the family. Of course, they have their little bits here and there, but it would have been a lot better if we were raised near them and by them, really, because they are just amazing people, amazing beings. They're so kind, so compassionate. They have a lot of empathy. They have a lot of love for their family and for people. Um, and you can just see it with who they are they shine they they just look so youthful and free it's just they're just beautiful people inside and out and so um yeah just to clarify cuz that side of my life is amazing but the side that I grew up in rough. and so because I realized this pretty very young because I've always went down to Miami to visit my mom's side of the family and and so I knew that love, <laughs> compassion, empathy, understanding is out there because I got that whenever I saw them. And we was always there. As soon as school let out, we were on the we were on the plane the next day and we didn't come back until maybe three days before Labor Day or the day before Labor Day happened. So we would come just in time for school and leave just after school let out. And we would go sometimes on Christmas breaks, and so we were we were there quite often, quite often, and so um, I knew that having emotions and stuff was not something to be scared of. I can be proud of my emotions, own my emotions, and express them, but there are ways to express them and stuff, of course, and so I'm very thankful that I've had those two parallels because I I know what it looks like to repress your emotions and I know what it looks like to express your emotions and I definitely don't want to be the latter. And so raising our child and having my husband's family dynamic in it now um, is, is very, we, we coexist very nicely. It's very similar in how he was raised and so we are able to allow for our daughter to express herself. Yeah, of course, there's going to be times as an adult that, you know, you just don't want to deal with big emotions, but it is what it is. <laughs> and so that's just my take on that question. We let Jenny and any children that we will have in the future have their emotions, own their emotions, go through them, and let's figure out how or why we're feeling that way anyways. And so today's topic is going to really talk about birth plans and why I as a doula and as an African educator believe that they are really helpful. I... I'm going to really talk about, you know, the ins and outs of birth plans and really discuss their use and the realism that comes with birth plans as well. And so be prepared because I know it was a little bit of a controversy a few months ago when a very well-known medical practice in New York City mentioned that their patients should not bother even writing birth plans, let alone bringing it up to their medical professionals and, or providers. And so let's get into that topic and why it's really important for us as brown women and women of color, especially to have birth plans, because a lot of sneaky stuff tends to happen. Let's get into it. And so I really want to just go back to when I was pregnant and just going through that journey, especially of it being my first pregnancy. And I always say that I will always miss that because it will, I will only ever have one first pregnancy. And it was a really, really great one. But one thing for me is I, I've always kind of had an idea of how I wanted to 
have birth and be in labor and deliver our child. And one of those things that was really important to me was being able to move around, having an, an unmedicated freestanding birth, or at least as freestanding as possible. And what that really looks like is just a hands-free, um, kind of unassisted birth. Just letting the body do what it needs to do, being coached through the process, um, having a doula, definitely a midwife, having your family there, and just making the process a joyous moment. Because it is, giving birth to a new human is such a an amazing and marvelous task to be blessed with. And so it's sometimes, though, not always the same look or not every medical professional is on the same page. Um, and these are shown in statistics and in reports where women of color have the highest mortality rates through maternity. Our maternity care is by far the lowest, um, and we we lack a lot of a lot of advocacy, a lot of support. Where oftentimes our pain is overlooked, and you know that that causes a lot a lot of issues, especially with preeclampsia, gestational diabetes. It, it's a lot of neglect. And abuse that goes on in the medical system where a lot of women, especially women who, you know, and it's so sad to say, but either using um, assistance or low income and having to use, you know, state run or city run hospitals where they're receiving some of the worst care at that. And then you can also tell these are the same states that have passed far ridiculous laws towards abortion and have absolutely no great plan for daycare or anything else. And so, I mean, if they don't care for the, the people that are already born, they definitely don't care for how they are in your stomach. Okay. And so when I thought about birth for me, I've always got excited, um, to hone in pain is a mental development and it's really about preparing for the event instead of being scared for it. I've always loved, you know, learning about it and stuff. And so for me, it was very easy to get into the mindset of having a baby because I knew how I got into that situation. And so I was very much okay with the fact that I had to come out. That was not a shock. <laughs> and so I was prepared. I, at least I felt like I was. Um, not that I look back, I definitely was prepared. Um, and I'm really happy about that because the next go round, mm, it's going to be a show, literally, guys. <laughs> and so I created my birth plan for what I wanted my birth to look like and what I would hope would be the, you know, plan or as much of a plan you know, because God don't like plans, but as, you know, just a plan for for what may be the possibilities. And if those possibilities happen, well, these are the things that I would like for those. And, you know, so also I wanted to make sure that my husband, my doula, my midwife, and um, any of the additional nurses that were going to come in and check in on us were aware of the systems that we had in place and the things that we wanted um, done. And so a birth plan, honestly, is a really great way for you to tell your healthcare team what kind of labor you'd like, what you'd want to happen, and the things that you would want to avoid. And also your birth plan can cover anything from labor and birth that you feel like is important to you. Also, a birth plan is a great time Two, to discuss what are your options, what are the possibilities, what are the rules um, of the hospital. And so like, you know, what, what are some things that you can't do? What are, what are some things you can do to make yourself comfortable? Our birthing center, because it truly was a birthing center, but it was not a freestanding birthing center. And so what that means is the birthing center was located inside of a hospital. And so they 
inside they had their own office, their own space. But when you gave birth, you were technically in the hospital. So you would be admitted through the hospital, but you would let them know that you are with interned midwifery and that they should contact your midwife, whomever your midwife may be. And they would admit you and then your midwife would come and take it from there. And so I personally love that. I definitely would not do it again, but I loved it for our first time because everyone around me, to be honest, everyone around me was really nervous and, you know, they just wanted, you know, for the first go around, you kind of just want to see how things go. At least for me, I really just wanted to get a feel for it. I've never seen labor in person, only in videos. And I really wanted to get a feel for it and see what it's like, see what's happening and see if all my little training and everything worked, which they did. <laughs> and um, it, it was nice to know that, God forbid, if anything was to happen, we were still in the hospital. And so emergency services can come in and stuff. But we ain't need them. We ain't need them. We ain't need nobody, to be honest. Um, but <laughs> the point is, is that the plan is personal to you. It will depend on what you want, your medical history, your circumstances, and what is available at your maternity service. Now, when we gave birth, it wasn't, you know, COVID happened. COVID happened. But COVID, you know, the uproar about it was the beginning of 2020. And so for women who gave birth from 20, that March, 2020, up until June, maybe even August, I would say 2021, our labor, birth, pregnancy experience was very different than any woman before us. Very, very different. And so a lot of the care and a lot of the things were unavailable. A lot of things were just downright impossible at that time. And so this is mainly for more current kind of care, <laughs> current kind of standard and stuff. And so, but a lot of hospitals have completely changed the policies and rules since COVID and have not reverted back. And so you definitely want to read your hospital's rules for maternity care. What are just some basic things that you can and can't do? What are some things that you are able to have? What is covered by your insurance? The birth plan is really just that plan. It's almost like your business plan. It goes through everything. And, you know, only certain parts you would have to share with your midwife or your birth team, of course. But for the most part, the birth plan is really just a great way to list and write down, okay, what is it that I need? What is happening? What is it that I, I may want? Is this in the budget? What is covered? What is not covered? What can I do? And especially for after, there's so many things that happen during your pregnancy. And if you suffered from mom brain or pregnancy brain, then writing things down or having voice notes is a lifesaver. And a birth plan is just a great tool to have so that you can just send it out to people. Your birth plan could be on your notes, on your phone. It could be on, you know, good notes if you have an iPad or any other kind of note or, you know, Anything where you could just write things down, Word. It could be a document, Google Docs. It doesn't have to be something all professional with a header and cover and everything. However, I do have available free birth plans um, for anyone who is interested. I will link that in the podcast description so that you can download that if you do need one. It is very easy to use and you can just fill it in. And it's something that you could just share amongst other people as well. But you may be wondering, Mel, let's be honest. Do I really need to write a birth plan? No, not at all. Like I said, this is personal. If you feel like, mm, I got this, I really know what I want, or I'm okay with what's happening, everything is going good, I don't have no complaints, I ain't got no worries, then no, you do not have to write a birth plan. You don't have to tell anyone of anything. But I 
chose a birth plan personally because I just love having things written down. I feel like writing, writing things down makes it concrete and it makes it like, okay, this has a higher possibility of happening. <laughs> and it gave me an idea of what I was hoping for, what I was hoping to achieve for a happy, blissful labor. And I got that. And of course, there's definitely a lot of times and a lot of women whom, who's have, who have written a birth plan and things did not go to plan. And the thing is, nothing during pregnancy, delivery, labor, even just parenthood in general will go to plan. Nothing. There's a, a lot of commonalities. There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of parallels and stuff. But nothing is concrete. Nothing at all. They can sit here and say, oh, you're going to throw up your whole first trimester. Some women don't throw up at all. They can say, oh, you're going to lose all your hair. Some women get a lot more hair. They can say, oh, you're going to have, they can say anything and then you just be the exact opposite. Every pregnancy is unique that way. And so for me, <laughs> I just felt like I needed to, I just, I had relinquished so much control just even being pregnant and you know especially being in school I was in my second to last semester and it was hard trying to figure out what we're gonna do we're about to have a family we're about to go from a twosome to a threesome and it's happening in 10 months and so it feel it seems like a lot of time but it's really not those weeks go by quick one minute you're at week five the next it's 27 weeks and you're like whoa the baby's coming <laughs> in a few weeks and so for me it just made me feel really comfortable and just eased my anxiety of the what what's or the what ifs or the have nots and the hows and everything. I just wanted, and I, when I wrote it down, I gave it to my midwife and the rest of the team and it gave me a chance to ask questions that I didn't really think of before or things that I wasn't aware were quote unquote standard in um, a hospital setting. And it let me um, elect for certain things just not to even be brought up in general or things to not even be mentioned because I had already said, I don't want it. And so there was no surprise the day of my labor because child, she already said she don't want this. And so for me, it just made that day a lot smoother too because it was, my birth plan was attached to my folder outside of our door. And so once you came in and you read the chart, it was there. So there's no way that you can act like you ain't know what was happening because, child, you wasn't reading. <laughs> okay. But like I said, a birth plan does not have to be something fancy. It should not be difficult. Honestly, you can use the template that I have on my website and just go from there and write it in your notes. Or now I know iOS has this new feature where if you screenshot something, you can actually copy the text. And so you could do that and then just put it in your notes on your phone and then share it to your birth team, text it to your husband, if you have a doula, to your mom, whoever is in your birth team. And just let it be that and if anybody has any questions they can ask <laughs> and um also most midwives and birth centers do um love <laughs> birth plans and are very much accepting of them and they will walk you through it or they'll you know just openly talk to you about the birth plan and maybe write some things down if you feel like oh actually yeah can you put that down in my chart and so this is just a few things that um, you can include in your birth plan. These are, th these are the things that I included in our birth plan. And so um, the first one would be who you want as your birth partner. That's really important. Uh, you don't, honestly, if you know that your partner, whether it be man, woman, no one, whomever, your mom, grandpa, whomever is going to be there to support you during birth, you would you should kind of know who it is there's a lot of times i've had a lot of um families mamas and they're saying i don't want my the father of my kid there i don't want my mom there i don't want my you know and but these people think they're gonna be there 
And it's great for me as a doula to know, mm -mm, honey, you're not coming in this room. She just says she don't want you in here. You, you're gonna make her nervous. You're gonna, you're gonna blow the whole thing. She's doing really well, and your energy, your presence, you gotta go. And you know that's the point of a doula. Uh, well, that's me at least. Let me not say the point of a doula, but for me, whatever my patient says she wants, that's what she's going to get. And so I don't care who you are. She says she don't want you in her face. So bye bye. We'll see you after. Love you. <laughs> Um, and so it's just really important to really figure out some, some of our partners can't stand the sight of blood. Some of my, of our partners are, you know, toxic, they're abusive or, you know, just, just not helpful. You may want to elect someone else. Maybe you have a sibling you want there. Maybe your mom, your father, your grandma. Um, if you are birthing at home, you have more free will to have a whole party, which honestly is what I want. I really want like a party celebration for my birth. Um, not a big one, but you know, a nice little intimate gathering where we eat and we play music. It's really enjoyable. And so, you know, you, you just would like to at least have an idea of who you want there. Who do you want to witness this moment? Or do you want to be by yourself? That's also possible. Very empowering if you have to, of course, there's nothing wrong with that neither. And so, you know, it's just great to at least be in that mindset prior. The second one is where would you want to give birth? Now, most times by the time you're already figure you're already thinking about this, you should have an idea of where you are giving birth. But a lot of our a lot of for a lot of women, your OBGYN practice may not be um the place or the people that will be delivering your baby or the practices hospital that they're affiliated with is not necessarily a place that you want to have your baby. And so it's great to think about where are you going to have your child? Are you going to have it in, in a hospital, a birthing center? Are you going to have it at home? Are you going to have your baby outside in, in water? Where is a good place? In the car? <laughs> you know, like we have to think about everything what is happening for that week you know before I do date the two weeks after the two weeks before two weeks after I do date and figure out okay how we go how we want this to look like and to prepare ourselves because you don't want to just be any aware two weeks before your due date and that's where you happen to have your baby <laughs> Um, the third one is what positions you'd like to use during labor. Now, as as your doula, I provide a extensive list of different positions. Some are more comfortable for um, some people, depending on your history and your reflexology, um, like muscle memory, if you have any. But there's so many positions and so many ways to alleviate pain and to really relax your body and to kind of ease into the contractions or just um, to help open up your pelvis, open up your spinal bone, spinal bone, spinal cord and your pelvis bone and just really make you feel comfortable and relaxed which is what we want and what we need during labor active labor especially number four is what type of pain relief you would want to use during labor um there's gas there is an epidural there's none you can have you can ask for just a regular like tylenol that is possible <laughs> um but there's, you know, little things that you can do to help alleviate pain. You cannot have a painless labor, but it can be pain-free. Or at least, I guess it would be painless. Yes, you can't have a pain-free labor, but it would be painless. Still be pain, but it would be less pain. And so, <laughs> that's what you but um because it, it will hurt like there's no way it can't hurt but it don't have to hurt 
that much, you know. It's one of those things, and I would always tell my mamas, labor and pregnancy is, is, is an entire mental process. Everything about it is mental. Even the fact that you were that you got pregnant was a mental process. Um, it takes a certain state of mind to be in, to you know, for it to really kind of just like like unlock in a really great way and um you know it, it, it's great to know what exactly it is that you want to do and so we definitely wanted no medication i'm definitely afraid of needles anyways i hate them hate them i don't see the point um but i definitely don't want them things in my back i don't care how bad it hurt that mm -mm. i'm good <laughs> I'm good, okay. If Mary and my mama and my grandmama and everybody else before me can do it without no medication, I could do it. And I did, and it was not bad. Like it really was not bad. Um, it was. It actually felt really good. I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I really did. I can't wait to give to go into labor again. To be honest, um, even my midwife, she was like, "You did really great for your first time." Like. The next time, it's going to go a lot faster. Like, you did really good. And I was like, thank you. I felt like I did really good, too. She was like, yeah, you know, you did. And I was like, yeah. Like, I could feel it. And I, I was right. My healing process was great. I was really happy. Like, I was like, yeah, I freaking did it, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, because my birth was really, really amazing for me. Um, number five is if you would like any music playing while you give birth. You know, just what kind of things you would like have. You know, it's not just about music. What kind of setting do you want? Do you want candles? If they don't allow candles or incense, what about like the battery candles, um, music? Are you going to bring your own pillows, your own sheets? Are you going to bring a cot, an inflatable bed? Because them couches for our partners are terrible. Let's be honest. They really are horrible. But, you know, at the moment, who cares about who cares? <laughs> so um just really kind of what kind of mood do you want do you want gospel music do you want r&b do you want hip-hop do you want trap music do you want you know like get hype you about to hit the club kind of music i played soca i played caribbean music really afro beats my sister was dead playing soca so it was definitely um <laughs> a fun time i have so many pictures of me in the tub just like not here but it was amazing i really loved it i loved the atmosphere it was fun there was lots of laughs i was feeling relaxed even though i was in pain but i was relaxed and i was calm and i was happy about what was about to happen um next one is how would you like to deliver the placenta and that really comes to what happens after the placenta um and so as far as like delayed cord clamping would you want to do skin to skin and what's the time limit they have with cord clamping delayed cord blah, delayed cord clamping and with skin to skin um uninterrupted skin to skin so my practice we did delayed cord clamping and i had about two hours of uninterrupted skin 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 to skin time as soon whoop, call from hubby but yeah um you know you definitely want to find out what's the time limits for these and just be aware of what your hospital's quote-unquote rules are um you would also want to talk about or know how would you like to feed your baby after birth discuss breastfeeding of course i always say that that would hopefully be the first thing that mamas would love to do of course unless there's extreme you know situations there are still donor milk um that you you know have a choice of doing um but they do provide formula um, and also just little things like is there any special facilities do they offer any special tools or any um, delivery assistance like a 
birthing pool, a peanut ball? Do they have any ropes? Some hospitals will have a almost like a rope, like some people did in high school where you would climb the rope, but they would have that to alleviate back pain and really get into that deep sumo squat and like you're holding onto the rope. That feels amazing. Um, do they allow you to use the shower? And also if there's any special requirements that you need, like a sign language interpreter or any religious customs that need to be observed as well. You want to be aware of everything and even parking. I had that in my birth plan. Where's parking? So that my doula can know, my family can know, my husband can know. Where's the entrance for birth? Where's the entrance for ex exiting? Because they're not the same. Where can we park? How much is parking? All of these things, it's not best to know the day of. It really isn't because that's the last thing I want to know about. And so after you've made your birth plan, it is really great to share it with your birth provider. You don't have to, of course, but they will be able to support you better if they know more about what you want. And it also helps to talk this through with your doula as well if your doula wasn't the one that brought it up in the first place and so you may be wondering well Mel I have a scheduled c-section or I'm high risk and they said that I will more likely need a c-section so what about me because this sounds like it's for women who are low risk and who have no who's gonna have no problems they have an unmedicated birth but that's not my that's not what it's looking like for me so what do I do and so there are definitely you could definitely still have a birth plan a C-section is a plan, you know, especially if it's a schedule one, it's a plan. You can know the things that can happen during your C-section. Is Are you able to see? Is your, is your husband able to, to look over the curtain? Is there going to be a curtain? Um, would you be able to do skin to skin immediately after? Will they have to take the baby anywhere? Is your husband able to go with them? I mean not husband, but you know, it's your partner able to go with them. There's still so many rights that you have. Even if you're having a C-section, doesn't mean that all of these things are impossible suddenly. There might be a few things you might have to go around, but you, you know, know what is possible because if they try to come at you with something, then you could at least say, well, no, on the website and I have a screenshot, boom, it says this. So who are we going to have to talk to? <laughs> And so um, definitely have that discussion. It's great to talk about these things and don't wait until the last minute because by then everybody's panicking and, you know, headless chickens. And so you might even, um, you might have heard of something called vitamin K for newborns. And so um, they might be offered this or some places might not even tell you and they just do it. Yes shocking but they do and so vitamin k is a uh i guess the, it's a vaccine that would prevent a rare bleeding disorder um called vitamin k deficiency and so you should have already heard about this especially um if you're you know at your halfway point in your second trimester you're like past 27 weeks and you know you can opt out of, out of it we opted we opted out of it we only did the the eye thing but we opted out of it and um that was that not not very hard um <laughs> if you don't want it or if you do want it um we also did delay cord clamping a lot of providers have you know maximum is only two minutes some places well until the placenta stops pulsing so it's really great to know the time because you can also keep your placenta they don't have any right to take it just make sure you have a place that you're going to be putting it because they're not going to put it anywhere for you so come prepared if you want to have and keep your placenta um and you can keep it you know just still i was about to say plugged in but just <laughs> you can allow for your placenta and for the cord to release itself um it's still not scientifically proven that that's a negative or anything and so i mean if that's what you want to do then it's great for that to be known especially like i said if if you are having a 
birth at a hospital setting and so their rules are a lot stricter so it's really great to really know what's happening here now once i mentioned to my clients okay do you want to talk about a birth plan do you have any ideas of how you want labor or birth to proceed then the next thing that i let them know is is to be flexible just because you wrote a plan or that you, that you have something written down does not mean that it will go according to that plan uh, i always make sure that my clients understand that plan birth pregnancy is so unpredictable anything can happen you could have had the most normal low risk pregnancy and it goes completely left um or you know the opposite you could have had you know been told you may be high risk and it it's everything is fine and so it really is one of those situations where you won't know until you are there and so you have to be flexible and be prepared to do things differently from what you wanted if that's what's best for you and for the baby. Now, this does not mean, however, that you just let anything happen to you. You are still in charge of, you know, giving consent. You are still in charge of your body, of in, in charge of what happens. And so you are allowed to ask questions. You're allowed to know the reason to things. You're allowed to be a part of the decision making. And so don't think that if things don't go according to plan that you've relinquished control. You have not. You are, you still have a lot of power. And so, um, you could talk to your provider or your midwife about what could happen in labor and include those preferences as well in your birth plan. And you don't try to, you know, include every single little thing, but, you know, just make sure that your maternity team and, you know, your birth partner for sure is aware of any decisions that may have to have happened or any of the decisions that are happening the day of um, to, to make sure that your baby is being safe to, to being delivered safely and that it's known across the board that the health the safe the health and safety of the mother is just as important if not more important than anything else and that was that was it for me you know and i let my husband know if god forbid you have had to make some choices i would want you to choose me and i mean he was like well yeah of course but those are conversations that you need to have as well if something was to happen and it was to be a choice of the mama or the baby who do how you it has to be said who who, who would you want you know cuz someone has to choose that for you and I was very much, I wanted to be me. And he was like, yeah, I would want it to be you too. And I'm like, great, moving on. And so these are some conversations that people oftentimes forget to have with their partners. And, you know, you never just, you just never know. And it's great to be aware. And also is that you could change your mind at any time. Just because you said, I don't want to epidural and I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. You never know. Maybe, you know, you just didn't feel like you, you can do it or you just, however you were feeling and you decided, I do want an epidural. There's no shame in that as well. And there's no problem with that. The plan, the birth plan is not a concrete thing. Once again, like I've said, plans never stay the same. God does not like plans. And so most times your plan <laughs> might falter in some way, shape or form. Ours did. I wanted a water birth and I did. I have not a lick of water or nothing. Um, but next time I'm definitely going to deliver my child in water. <laughs> and so, but I had to be okay with that. I understood. Well, I didn't understand, but I was okay with the fact that I had to give birth on a bed um i got to give birth in whatever position i was comfortable in and i changed positions a lot and i found what was comfortable for me and i delivered our baby and i loved it it, it wasn't by my plan you know per se but 98 percent of my plan still happened so i was happy with that <laughs> and also 
you also want to just kind of think about what's the emotional well-being of your plan. Um, think we so so often talk about you know just birth and pregnancy and you know delivery and the baby, but mamas, we have a fourth trimester coming up for us. Those last three months, three to four months, really that year, that first year that we have a child is one of the most life-changing first years of anyone's life, no matter what baby number it may be. Um, Especially if this is your first, it's scary, it's nerve-wracking, you feel like everything is going wrong, all of the gurus seem to be doing something different, Um, you just have imposter syndrome, you have FOMO, your baby got FOMO, you just feel like you've lost yourself, you may have um, baby blues, you may suffer from postpartum depression, you may have gingivitis, you may just feel, you know, lost and confused and just know that you're not alone and that we've all felt some, you know, some way like that and that we're all going through this together. It doesn't matter what number baby this is for you. We are all experiencing similar feelings and we've all had those moments of am I even doing this right am I even doing this right am I even doing this right and let me just say you are the fact that you're even wondering if you're doing it right I can tell you're doing it right so don't worry about the little things because it's those big moments that really matter and it's those big moments that will change and be the core memories for your child and so I remember a lot of people would tell me um, the days are long but the years are fast or the the minutes are long but the days are fast something of that nature but pretty much is that the time goes by really quickly that day when you're sitting in it and you're stressed and everything goes wrong, your baby doesn't want to eat, they don't want to sleep, they have colic, they're annoyed, they have a rash, they're teething, they're sleep regressing, they're, they just started to crawl. There are so many things that's happening or you have multiples or anything and you have to just remember that they are only that small that one time and that's it. They're not that small anymore. And in those moments, you crying, you feeling burnt out, you feeling stressed out, those will not be their core memories. What will be their core memories is you being there for them, is you loving on them, is you showing them that you care for them and that you're there for them through everything and that you care for them enough to want to find resources and support and help and that enough shows that you are an amazing parent and so that's really it for a birth plan it's really simple honestly I'm and I'm gonna say that I don't say simple often but it is really simple because you don't want your birth plan to be too much you don't want to be doing too much um you just kind of want to overall you know, just a little gist of what might might be happening here. And so once you get that gist and you feel comfortable and you got your questions answered, then you can really just focus and look forward to birth. If you are in the States of America, I am a trained holistic um, prenatal and postpartum doula. And so I travel across America and I do provide advocacy and support to our mamas. And so if you are interested in having doula services by me, definitely reach out to me on my website. I will also have that linked in our uh, episode description so that it's easy for you to find. We also, for our um, parents as well. We have we provide coaching. We do have a breastfeeding webinar that is starting this Thursday. So it's coming on the 8th or the 9th. Yeah, it would be the 9th, y'all. 
No, but not. Today's the sixth. Oh my gosh, today's Tuesday. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so we do have our breastfeeding webinar that is coming up this week. It is a four week live webinar where we talk about the ins and outs of breastfeeding. We'll get into latching, feeding positions, sustaining a supply, weaning pumping, formula feeding, donated milk, and everything else that you can do with milk you could think of. And so don't miss out on that. Definitely check it out. It is a great opportunity to learn more about breastfeeding. It isn't a once in a lifetime chance. So we will be doing different webinars every month, but this month for September, especially since October is breastfeeding, breastfeeding is breast cancer awareness month i thought it'd be great to at least be aware of you know our bodies and our our opportunities and abilities as well and so those are just a few things that is happening nowadays for the modern mama y'all if you aren't following me on instagram at damara mama Definitely make sure that you do. I have and post a lot of personal life and really just a deeper insight into what our lives look like. I am a stay at home mom. We are a homeschooling family as well. And so there's just a lot of unique features about our family and we're multilingual. And so if you're really interested in that and you want to get to know me a lot more, then give me a follow, give me a shout, talk to me. I would love to see and hear how you guys are doing and feeling. If you have any questions or advice that you're seeking, don't be shy. Definitely message me because we are a family, guys. We are in this together. And so you're not alone. So you could definitely reach out to me. But I'm going to end this episode here. It was great talking to you guys. And I once again cannot believe that we are on episode 11. 11. That means that we have one more episode until it is the second season. And second season, y'all, we are coming at y'all crazy. We have a lot of guests coming on here with our first one being our very own hubby hubby. And so we're going to be talking to a lot of different people, getting a lot of different insight and really uncovering what it means to be a modern mama and what it looks like and just really digging into that and so I'm really excited for the next season and so thank you so much guys for listening this far I really hope that we were able to talk about something different or really just get into a deeper topic that maybe you wanted to get into but if you have a topic that you do want us to discuss definitely drop us a message and let us know of anything you do want to talk about you do want to hear us talk about or anyone that you do want us to invite onto our podcast as well and so we'll talk to you guys later have a great day love one another and i love you bye